And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! Hey everybody, I'm Robert. Hey guys, I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers, bringing you another Top 10 episode. This time, we'll be counting down our picks for the Top 10 Alien Horror Movies of All Time. God, I've been watching too much Watch Mojo or something. <laughs> uh, well, not necessarily our picks. This time, uh, you'll be giving your definitive top 10 list of aliens and horror. That's right. And you'll be giving a little history lesson in aliens and horror, won't you? That's right. So uh, if you recall from our episode last December where we covered Black Christmas, we also had a top 10 slashers where I gave my top 10 favorites. And Chris gave us a sort of you know history of the slashers throughout the decade. And, you know, all the movies Mm -hmm. that were sort of leading up to that, you know, golden age of slashers in the 80s and beyond. And uh, while Chris has a much better knowledge of science fiction and science fiction horror, I thought that it's best to let him, you know, give the movies for y'all to go and watch or give his choices and maybe try my hand. It's, you know, a little history lesson of aliens in the movies. So I feel like my knowledge is actually better with just science fiction or just horror or just fantasy, but like actually like alien horror movies i found that i have some blind spots so this list might get updated sooner rather than later who knows but for now this is the definitive film flamers list and um you know i worked pretty hard on my my history lesson i chose you know some different movies and things to talk about and uh, not all of them are going to be horror movies you know because i think if you're talking about aliens and horror or aliens and film as history you, you can't just have horror movies you sort of have to like have some other mentions in there so well of course because everything influences everything else just uh if you listen to our episode on alien you know that it had a bunch of you know genre jumping influences Mm -hmm. you know and so i'm sure some of those will actually show their faces on your history lesson i think so well do you want to go ahead and get started with that then are you ready class okay (laughs) so you know obviously before movies were a thing um there was already written fiction about life from outer space i think most notably people will think of war of the worlds by hg wells which was published in 1898 Mm -hmm. it would later be adapted many many times i think most recently there was like a grand epic bbc version of war of the worlds that is very recent right and before that we had the tom cruise movie here in america by Spielberg. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, but I think most memorably, uh, the incarnation that people will think of for War of the Worlds was the October 30th, 1938 broadcast by Orson Welles on the radio. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So people were so horrified by this broadcast that some like committed suicide, like thinking it was actual <laughs> news, you know? I guess yeah. they missed the small disclaimer or something they had at the beginning of that broadcast. Yeah, the story is like some people would call the cops, you know, thinking like, what's going on? Are we being invaded? (laughs) So, I mean, I that really like captured the imaginations of people afterward and is fondly remembered, right? And so, but in film, the idea of space travel was depicted right at the beginning of the medium itself, right? With the silent film, Le Voyage dans la Lune. Or, Jesus. more boringly in English, A Trip to the Moon, directed by Georges <laughs> Méliès in 1902. Uh, I, oh, yeah. That's like one of the most famous little pieces in film, right? Where the like the spaceship gets stuck in the moon's eye or whatever. Right, yeah. So the rocket ship like it flies directly into the eye of the man in the moon, right? 
So um, in this early film, a group of astronauts travel to the moon and discover it's not what they wanted it to be. And they have to travel back to Earth to escape their alien predicament. Right. I've never seen this, you know, but I've seen like clips and images. and I know it's incredibly famous, you know, Um, but it's probably something I need to see as a movie lover. But um, moving forward to film history, though, into the 30s and 40s, science fiction was not always the most used genre outside of some like amazing German expressionist examples. But in America, most space set movies were serialized and episodic, like Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon. Um, Aliens in these were kind of like humanoid, right? Um, I think probably because like special effects and costumes that we would normally associate with aliens were like years and years away. Um, But then World War II happened. And subsequently, America was plunged into the Cold War, right? So Mm. communism was seen as a real threat to the American way of life. And the idea of these people infiltrating our society was a very real fear for people. And McCarthyism was all over the place, and even Hollywood couldn't escape that. The Red Scare! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So these ideas would make their way into film, and most were evident in the sci-fi movies of the 50s and 60s, where they could use aliens and invasions in a more like allegorical way to, you know, talk about the way that people felt during this time. So 1951's The Day the Earth Should Still was directed by Robert Wise and has the alien Klaatu and the robot Gort arriving on Earth with a very serious message for the human race. And ultimately, this movie would be seen as addressing the fears and anxiety of the Cold War and arms races that were happening throughout the world. Later in 1956, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was released. This was directed by Don Spiegel. And Mm -hmm. this movie has aliens replicating Americans by growing doppelgangers and pods. And it's not long before the main characters don't know who is human or who is alien to a very disturbing effect. Um, It's not difficult to find the subtext in this movie for sure. And it's also Mm -hmm. been remade like many, many times throughout the years, most notably for me in 1978, starring Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams. And it's become sort of a cultural sci-fi touchstone. It's true. Although the first one still has a 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, though a 78 version has a 93. I mean, it's a fascinating movie. You can see clips of this movie shown in other horror movies like Gremlins and things like that. I think a lot of people, you know, recognize it as one of the, the better science fiction horror movies, right? Wasn't there like a more recent remake with uh, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. that was retitled? I think it was just called Invasion or something okay. like that. Yeah. And then and after, before that, there was like a 1989, 1990 remake too. And I mean, there's just been lots of like iterations of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, not all aliens in this time period were humanoid like they are in those movies though. So um, they began as time went on to become a little bit more monstrous. So in 1958, The Blob with Steve McQueen was released. And this movie features a giant gelatinous creature trying to devour a town and everyone in it. Also remade later on. Um, in 1968's Day of the Triffids, based on a novel by John Wyndham, shows us a world where most of the population has gone blind following a meteor shower. And they hmm. have to start battling an invasion of very tall plant-like creatures. Um, Isn't it the same year that 2001 A Space Odyssey came out? Uh, yeah, I think so. 1968. Yes, you are correct, sir. So um, in the late 60s and 70s, like you say, like we got some really grand sci-fi epics. Like not all of them had aliens in them, like 2001 A Space Odyssey from Kubrick from 1968. In 1977, we had both Star Wars by George Lucas and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um 
they didn't really depict aliens in a very threatening manner, uh, but they were very integral to the plot and the characters of both film, right? And then all that would sort of change in 1979 with Ridley Scott's Alien. So again, we were shown how devastating an alien life form can be, and he sort of brought the horror back to the concept of extraterrestrial life, mm-hmm. right? at least in my opinion. Until E.T. came out. Yeah, no shit. So... The 80s. The 80s gave us the battle of differing alien plots, right? With battle being sort of the operative word. So it seemed that um, if there were alien movies released, they would fall into two camps, right? Like family-friendly or really, really gruesome and violent and horrific. Yeah. So uh, we were given like cute and cuddly aliens and like E.T. and Mac and me. And then we were given like these... (laughs) (laughs) about I forgot about Mac. He's such a goofy looking alien in that movie too, but it's super cute, you know? <laughs> um, but on the flip side of that, we were given a lot of like militaristic plots of great sci-fi and alien action movies like Cameron's Aliens from 1986, which we talked about this month, and then John McTiernan's Predator from 1987. And both of those movies gave us alien creatures that were sort of hell-bent on destruction and then like humans battles to destroy them, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And then military motifs like didn't really stop there. They were evident elsewhere in the 80s. John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, while not dealing directly with the military, um, still had this sort of military vibe all over it. And it featured some really great weapons and like action shots. The 80s also saw a return of the message sci-fi horror movie with John Carpenter's They Live in 1988. Although like this one's really heavy handed and one doesn't have to look like too far to find the message in that like they would have to in like 1951. Right. Yeah. So the 90s brought us sort of a culture of alien abduction. Right. It's like everywhere you turn from books to TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries, like the world was sort of flooded with stories of being snatched up by aliens for like dastardly experiments and things Mm -hmm. and x files and all that yeah exactly and so like one such movie that came out in the 90s 1993 to be exact was fire in the sky which shows some pretty horrific scenes of what those experiments might look like right um the 90s also gave us a lot of like really sexy movies you know basic instinct and the like and these days yeah the alien (laughs) genre was not too far off from that right 1995 the movie species was released starring natasha henstridge among a really stacked cast and um it's trying to show like researchers desperately trying to track down an alien seductress before she mates with a human man right um also in the 90s, like the teen culture sort of came back with a bang, you know, it was Scream and like Dawson's Creek and Buffy and things like that. And um, like we were given the faculty. So that uh, sort of like had a very prominent cast of young, attractive people fighting off aliens who were trying to replace their teachers and students at their school it became a pretty big hit. Um, moving into the new century, though. Well, wait, like uh, there was also this huge thing with like the 1950s style alien invasions. Like um, Independence Day was probably the most popular alien movie of the 90s, right? And I really thought about putting that on the list. Like I was trying to stick to horror and I wouldn't call that a horror movie. But like Independence Day was by far one of the most some adjacency, obviously. But yeah, it was like yeah. one of the, the biggest hits of the 90s, right? I think everybody sure. saw Independence Day. And you're right. I mean, it had to deal with aliens and invasions. And, and that was right smack in the 90s where the things that we were seeing from aliens were sort of different. It was a definite callback to those earlier sci-fi movies. 
the 21st century has had its share of alien movies as well, but their plots are sort of all over the place to me, like borrowing from every decade that sort of preceded it in some way. There are abduction movies, there are replacement movies, you know, there are some war movies. But what stands out to me the most about alien movies in the new century is the idea of humans having to adapt and live with aliens who have tried to make a more permanent home on our planet, right? And there's been lots of examples for this, but the two that really stick out to me in this like sort of like new way of thinking about aliens are Neil Blomkamp's District 9 from 2009 and John mm-hmm. Krasinski's A Quiet Place from 2018. You know, I think these movies take very different ways to tackle the idea of what humans would do like if aliens were living amongst us, right? And um, But they show them both in like very terrifying ways, you know? And so like obviously this is a very, very brief history of aliens in movies. There are just countless amounts of film and good film that deal with aliens in some way. What, you know, um, Alien Nation, I think, is one of my favorite movies, you know? And sure. it's just like too hard to create a history that talks about everything and still like, you know, try to keep it as brief as possible. So, but that's, um, that's pretty much it. That's what I got for you. Well, that's a long evolution. And, you know, I, you know, it's interesting viewing these as kind of like message movies and their evolution through that because it seems like there's some really good movies for about eight you know aliens that don't necessarily have a message um you know i'd almost say alien is one of them you know it's it's very pure mm-hmm. in what it is uh versus like even aliens is kind of a message you know uh kind of an allegory to vietnam so well i mean i think that that alien movies themselves is just a really easy way for us to talk about anything that's going on in like current history and you know sort of have a it's a fairly easy way to mask all those things right can you look at some of these alien movies from from the current century right things like district nine and they live they live a quiet place um i mean they could have their own messages about living in the kind of society that we do or the way that people fear, you know, the, their neighbors in some way. Right. Um, and it may not be something that we recognize right away. I'm not sure that everybody in the fifties and sixties were watching things like the day the earth stood still and being like, Oh, I get it. You know, like it takes some time for scholars to sort of, you know, pick up on those things and write about it. So, I mean, who knows what mm-hmm. can happen in the future. Yeah, um, I I have a feeling we're gonna get some weird alien invasion movies where like the aliens are completely peaceful and everything else, but a lot bunch of you know anti science like you know <laughs> conspiracy nut theorists or whatever and leadership are gonna be totally fucked and it's gonna ruin it for everyone and we're gonna get into some sort of intergalactic war that just destroys the planet almost instantaneously all because of you know stupidity all because people won't wear a mask. <laughs> 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 I mean, or yeah. they don't believe in facts anymore, or, you know, things like that. You know, it's just uh, it would be interesting to see. I know that those movies are going to come out soon because there's going to be a huge reaction, you know, in pop culture to, you know, uh, whatever side you're on, you know, to the the Trump presidency and, you know, this past election and people's reactions to, you know, regardless of politics to this pandemic. You know, there's just a lot of stupid happening and. You know, I feel like we're going to we're going to get to see see some allegory pretty soon. Hopefully <laughs> it's going to yeah. be interesting. I completely agree with you. And I I mean, I know that film always sort of like follows what's going on culturally. And it's just a matter of time before people start putting this into their movies. I just think that genre films like science fiction and horror and even action to a certain extent, like it's just easier for them to do it. So we'll see it there first for sure. Um, 
But uh, with all that being said, I'm really interested to hear the 10 movies that you've chosen to talk about for Aliens and Horror. Well, I'm afraid that uh, my top 10 isn't going to be as profound as your history lesson. That was not even (laughs) profound, but thank you for saying so. That makes me feel a lot better. (laughs) Because my number 10 is Critters. (laughs) (laughs) But Critters is so good. Especially the first one. Although I do have a special place in my heart for the second one. And even the first one, like which is easily the best, is a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. That seems incredibly low to me, actually. I think a lot of people like that movie, but hey, I don't... And the the second one is, you know, where they go into the giant fucking ball. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. hundreds of them, and they just roll over someone, and they <laughs> end up being a skeleton or something. As soon as the ball rolls over, it's like the skeleton underneath it, right? Yeah, and so, but a lot of people forget that their critters are not the only aliens in those movies, right? There's like intergalactic like critter hunters that come, and they're like shapeshifters, and they crash their ship and everything else. So, depending on the movie you watch, but um, it's one of the most interesting subplots about it. But Critters is one of my earliest horror films that um, I remember watching, and it just happened to be on TV when I was a kid. And of course, I was too young to realize that it was a comedy as well. Yeah, you know. And so I had nightmares for probably years because I probably saw it when I was like six, <laughs> and uh, I had nightmares for years thinking critters were under my bed. You know, <laughs> oh, shit. And there was some real gore in uh in critters oh yeah and uh especially the first one and man you know it's it's guarded me for life and it's probably why we have this podcast i mean everyone has those uh horror movies that they remember fondly when they were younger and i mean i know that you've oftentimes with me talked about critters so I, i'm not surprised that it's on this list mm-hmm. so my number nine is the arrival from 1996 starring none other than charlie sheen i've never seen this movie <laughs> It's good. You know, it's it's a definitely a science fiction horror film. And, you know, back then I was, you know, much more interested in, you know, pure sci-fi or pure fantasy or pure horror, you know. But this was one of the first, you know, mixes outside of like Alien or Aliens that I'd seen. And it's really good. It's like a thriller. Um, you know, it's got a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I didn't know it was Charlie Sheen at the time, and it's almost an unrecognizable role for him. Um, you know, he's uh, got this big chunky glasses on the entire time, and he's like a like a TV satellite, you know, salesman or whatever. And it's just a really interesting uh, story. And it, it's, he has to, you know, kind of travel and problem solve and deal with scientists and like figure this out, but it's very small scale and it, it doesn't necessarily have the the most positive ending, which I actually am, you know, partial to. And so, uh, you know, I, I would definitely, uh, recommend this for, especially because I think most people probably haven't seen it. I mean, I remember it on the shelves when I worked in video stores and I just never watched it probably because of Charlie Sheen. But, um, I mean, well, he didn't, I don't think he had a bad rap back then. No, I mean, I guess not. I don't, I don't know why I didn't watch this movie. It makes no sense. It seems like something that I would have watched. I think fire in the sky, like scarred me so much when I was younger than anything that was sort of like real aliens, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, fuck all that. I'm not watching none of that shit. So and it it's like actual like the little gray men right that people would think of from kind of well, I mean it kind of plays like a long more horror esque uh, episode of X Files or something okay you know and it it does get like kind of bigger and bigger and you realize the the scope of it 
kind of as its ending mm-hmm. and it's like one of those it's uh so it's it's pretty good i mean i mean i need, I need to go back and watch it but it's been quite a while since i've seen it but I mean, if you're going to put it higher than Critters on the list, that means I definitely need to go watch it. Well, I mean, sure. it's a better movie. Okay. <laughs> <Let's face laughs> Critters is like one of those guilty pleasures, you know, that I had to put on the list just because I have such a personal history with it. Yeah. So number eight, I put the Cloverfield franchise, uh, especially 10 Cloverfield Lane. Although I did feel a little guilty about that because you don't kind of like know that it's an alien film until like the last like 10 or 15 minutes. You know, and, um, you know, of course, the first one made a lot of waves, you know, the found footage film. And um, I I find that it's kind of an interesting genre jumping uh, franchise. I have not seen the one that came out on like Netflix or something yeah, that was kind of Cloverfield, added as Cloverfield and post or something. But I think, I think 10 Cloverfield lane was actually renamed and added as Cloverfield and post and made into a Cloverfield movie. So this franchise is very loosely tied together, but because they have such varied uh, and interesting entries, I felt like I needed to add it here. I'm really trying to create a list where there's not all just gray aliens or not just all monster aliens or not just all invasion movies. So there's some variation, right? you know, I like the Cloverfield franchise. I mean, I haven't seen the paradox on uh, Netflix either. I heard it was just like monstrously bad. Trash, yeah. And um, and I I didn't see Cloverfield until years after it was released, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think I watched it right around the time that Ten Cloverfield Lane was released because you know I was super interested to see that movie just based on the cast and its premise. Oh, and the cast is so good. Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Mm. Goodman, especially John Goodman are just amazing in this film. I mean, it's a very good movie. Just love it. I love it to pieces. It's one of his best roles in my opinion. So coming up at number seven is Annihilation from 2018 starring Natalie Portman um, directed by Alex Garland. Who's just got this really small, but amazing, you know, uh, film career that we're definitely going to be watching, you know, the more we uh, go through time because he is responsible for a lot of uh, great writing for like 28 Days Later and Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, his directorial debut was Ex Machina, which was just great. So yeah. And so, um, you know, this uh, this movie, like I, I, I sat down and watched it just recently and I was like, this is so much more horror than i thought i thought it was like a hard sci-fi film and of course i know that you when you watched it you were thinking it was more horror yeah we had the total opposite (laughs) reactions yeah 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 so i you know it has jennifer jason lee which i wasn't expecting you know it's uh it's got a lot of interesting ideas in it it's very original it's also very unoriginal at the same time uh, but it looks great. And if you like a slow burn with a lot of interesting, uh, you know, side quests along the way, I definitely recommend it. It's uh, it's a little bit more cerebral than your average fare. And it's a little bit more, I don't know, it's a little bit more melancholic than than your average, you know, sci-fi horror fare, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I really, I enjoyed this movie quite, quite a bit. I, like you said, I was expecting a lot more horror than what I got, you know, based, but based on how you've talked about it since you've seen it recently, I, I can see, you know, a lot of the, the horror elements that are there. Right. And I appreciate them, but you know, to me, it was just like, it was a, a really good science fiction movie with some horror qualities, you know, and, mm-hmm. but it's a fantastic movie. Total. It's completely well acted. I like the way the places the story went. And so I'm, I'm really glad that it's on your list. 
So my number six is A Quiet Place. And this was, uh, you know, a pretty big surprise, right? It was directed by John Krasinski and I believe written by two. Uh-huh. Um, although it says the story is by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. But, you know, this was something no one really expected to be any good. You know, it's it's John Krasinski and his wife, you know, Emily Blunt making a horror movie. And it turned out to be excellent. And I think it's gotten it, it got so popular that I think people started to like with anything that gets too popular, people started to have some contempt for it. Yeah. Uh, popularity breeds contempt, you know, and and I think that it's, uh, you know, after these first few years of contempt or first decade of contempt, I think that as it gets more sequels especially if this next sequel coming out this year is going to be really really good then you know we're going to have a classic franchise on our hands especially considering that the first one was was just so good and it got uh, a 90 percent on or 95 percent on rotten tomatoes i mean and it was oscar nominated right i think for score and um it, there was lots of oscar buzz and maybe it was something else maybe it was a screenplay god i can't remember but yeah, it was completely surprising to me. Like I was expecting just some like random, you know, random horror movie and it turned out to be so incredibly heartfelt and just so so well acted. I think Emily Blunt is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. There was lots of Oscar buzz for her performance in that. And I think that anytime a horror movie garners that kind of like buzz around it, I mean like it's something special. And even though people like you know, like to trash all over the popular things or whatnot. Does it make them less good? You know? Well, and you know, something's good when there's a bunch of imitators that come out, you know, rushing to try and, and do it. And we saw several, yeah, you know, bird box if, you, if they, they can see you, called. they kill you. If they hear you, they kill you type of movies. Right. So, but yeah, it was excellent and, and excellent placing on your list. I would say. So my next film at number five is attack the block. Also a huge surprise. This one coming out of virtually nowhere. Uh, this is a British science fiction film coming out in 2011. And of course it was, um, you know, kind of the breakout role for John Boyega who would, would go on and uh, who would go on and star in star Wars. Uh, it also has Nick Frost, which is of course a uh, kind of a, a horror and genre, you know, savvy guy. That's, that's no, no stranger to the genre with Shaun of the dead and uh, you know, the world's end and some other things, including yeah, Paul's. I still need to watch Paul. I still need to watch attack the block. I haven't seen this movie yet. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, the film is about like a teenage street gang who have to defend themselves from predatory alien invaders, uh, in South London on Guy Fox night. And they don't have weapons. Guy Fox night. Yeah. So (laughs) Guy Fox night, uh, or bonfire night is an annual commemoration observed on the 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Have you ever seen V for Vendetta? No. My God, watch a fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this, is, this is the big fireworks night of in Britain, right? So it's like uh, when Guy Fox, a member of the gunpowder uh, plot, was arrested while guarding explosives uh, that they had placed beneath the House of Lords. So it was a big revolutionary moment that they they stopped. Okay. So that's Guy Fox night. And it's basically their Halloween and Fourth of July kind of wrapped up in one. So anyway, they've got fireworks, they've got swords, they've got whatever they can get their hands on. These these monsters are really original. They're basically just big black blobs with with fangs, giant fangs, and they're all kind of like animalistic in a way like Alien is. And they're like pitch black, like uh, 
you know, you'll, you'll notice that you can barely tell that there's any detail on them besides just blackness, arms and legs and teeth. Aren't the teeth like glowing a little bit or something, right? A little bit. Yeah. They can, I think there's like some uh, glow in the dark stuff going on, but I just remember being blown away when I saw this and I need to see it again because I've only seen it the one time, but uh, yeah, it was, um, it was excellent. Well, this has been on my list to watch for quite some time. And I remember you telling me how good it was when you saw it, you know, and um, I kind of figured it was going to be on your list. So I went ahead and purchased it on Amazon a couple of days ago. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So, I mean, maybe after this recording, I'll finally be able to sit down and watch it because it's like really high on my watch list and I really want to see it. So my number four is the Predator franchise. So the original Predator is a classic, even though it still only has like an 81% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is still high for a genre film, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as good as like Alien or Aliens or even some of the others that are coming up on my list. But uh, Predator is a classic. Of course, it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and... um, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it it's theoretically, of course, it exists in the same universe as Alien, which may exist in the same universe as like Blade Runner and stuff. So what an interesting shared universe that is. But, um, you know, I, I do remember seeing, you know, this is before the days of the Internet and stuff. And I watched like Predator 2 and I saw the Predator, the Predator ship and I saw the alien skull in there. I was just like geeking out. Oh, yeah. You know, so hardcore. Um, but the first Predator is, is just really a classic in the, you know, science fiction action horror genre which there aren't that many, you know? And so, uh, you know, if you're going to have a nice, you know, science fiction action horror film night, you watch aliens and predator and you're not going to be disappointed. I, uh, remember seeing that skull in predator two, right. Toward the end of that movie and just thinking, Oh my God, like how neat would it be to see a movie with the two different aliens together? And then, and then we got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about those. And it's a thing, you know, I mean, they're not, terrible it's fun to watch like if you're not expecting too much but yeah i mean like don't i don't i it wasn't as good as i wanted it to be you know what i mean but you i remember how excited i was as a kid like seeing that xenomorph skull on that wall that ship and then and then we got those two i feel like anything they made after 1986 pretty much cheapened the, the whole franchise to varying degrees you know alien 3 is on the fence you know it's it's on the cusp resurrection definitely started to cheapen the franchise in my opinion <laughs> yeah it's a clown <laughs> yeah well um let's put a pin in it and we'll, we'll save that for um next year around this time let's yeah. talk about the, the the cheapening it'll be the alien series of deep dives the cheapening that will just devolve <laughs> over the next couple of years as we get closer and closer to alien 5 prometheus 2 that's right. So by the time we get to 2022, we're talking about those two movies. So it'll be like seven or eight minute episodes. And we'll be like, here's the synopsis. They exist. Yeah. Sweet dreams. <laughs> you know? So my number three is going to be a little controversial, probably because it's under the skin oh. from 2013. And of course, this is directed by Jonathan Glazer, who makes a film like every 10 years or something. Um, he made Sexy Beast in 2000, which was like up for all kinds of awards, and then Birth, and then Under the Skin, and this is only his third movie, right? In 20 years, so uh, I really, really dug the shit out of this movie. It's uh, it's a really slow burn, so be prepared for that. You know, I'm I'm really trying to get Robert to watch it again, or at least watch it for the first time, because I know I think he turned it off or he fell asleep or something. 
Yeah, so I the first time I watched it, I I had woke I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not go back to sleep. And I was just like scrolling through things to watch and I was like, Oh, Chris recommended this one, so I started watching it and then I felt sleepy enough to go back to bed. <laughs> so but I finished it, you know, later on. Um it just wasn't my favorite, but I like most things like I say I need to rewatch it and like you speak so highly of this movie that I know I must have missed something. I just love the visual storytelling. It's like visual storytelling, the horror movie. And the music in this is just amazing by Mika Levy, yeah, or her for stage name, Mika Chu. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of my go-to uh, horror film scores for a while, basically ever since it came out. And um, I, can't, I can't say enough about this. So if you're okay with slow burns, if you don't need explosions in your face every five seconds, watch this movie. You'll enjoy it. I'm probably only going to watch this movie again in one of two ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. Either you put it on the docket for us to to cover, which I fully think that you should. Okay. Or I watch it with you, like with you in the same room, like sitting next to you on the couch. I think like those are the only two ways that I would probably watch this movie again, even though I I want to see it, you know, but these are the two circumstances I'd like to watch it. I'd really like to watch it with you. Either way, I feel like you'd enjoy it more with a little reefer madness. Probably, you know, and I also think I would enjoy it more watching it next to somebody who appreciates it. And if I wanted to pause the movie and talk about it for a minute, you know, I, I would like to have you there with me to do so, you know. Yeah. So um, maybe the next time that I'm in Boston, we uh, we sit down and watch Under the Skin. How about yeah. That? Well, one thing I really like about it is that it really kind of examines what it is to be human and what is empathy and how that kind of evolves over the space of the film and how that brings vulnerability to this character who wasn't vulnerable in the start, you know? And um, it's, it's just a really interesting journey for the, for the main character, which happens to be this fucking killer alien that's just completely predatory. I will say that Scarlett Johansson looks amazing in this movie, though. I mean, like she always does, but mm-hmm. I mean, like f- from you know, the, from what I remember, I really enjoyed her performance in that movie. Yeah. You know, like like I said, I think I just missed something along the way. Like obviously, because a lot of people like this movie. I think it's pretty highly regarded in a lot of circles, right? Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's not the most poppy movie. It's just it's it's kind of more of an experience, you know, <laughs> as douchey as that sounds. I mean. <laughs> You really kind of have to be in the right mood for this versus like watching, you know, aliens or something will put you in the mood. You know, you have to be ready and open for under the skin. Right. So it's not as accessible. Certainly not as accessible as pretty much anything on my list. Okay. Well, uh, listeners will report back later for, for my rewatch. Mm -hmm. So my number two is none other than the thing from 1982. Yes. The only remake on my list. And this has made quite a few of our lists, I think. Uh, throughout the history of our podcast, yeah, I, I think that it first popped up on our top ten remakes we list. Had, like, uh, we had like best special effects person award. I think that yeah. they made it, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it might have made maybe made an appearance for music. Maybe not. Not sure. Maybe as a special mention. I know it definitely made an appearance whenever we did our top ten sci-fi horror countdown when we did Sunshine that month. Yeah, sure. So. And of course, its music is by Ennio Morricone, who we just lost, unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah, so sad. Yeah, but this is one of my favorite horror films, I think, of all time. And this is by John Carpenter, you know, the master. And he really got pacing down 
for this and tension up. And there is just a masterclass in that and pacing intention. And uh, as far as like in camera special effects and makeup effects, it still holds up today. Uh, there's a few exceptions, especially at the end where they revert to like stop motion. This is before CGI from 1982, but it's, but the, the vast majority of the film just looks amazing to this day. And, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's one of my favorites. I have to agree. I mean, I, I do love the thing. I think when you're talking about aliens and horror movies, this one's really cool, right? Because I mean, it's everything, you know, and just like so nasty throughout most of it it's just like like gross and mm-hmm. us right so i mean like it's just another one of those like message sci-fi alien movies like i had talked about earlier i wish i would have thought to like call this a message movie too because i think that there's something deeper inside the thing than most people realize and um john carpenter is oftentimes remembered as being you know like the father of the slasher film with like halloween and stuff but i think the larger percentage of his movies are sort of like sci-fi or fantasy based horror and he does it so so well right i mentioned they live in the the little history lesson but i mean like he he does sci-fi horror great and i i mean he he really is the master of that particular like subgenre of horror as far as i'm concerned but it was also kind of a new way to do that kind of like witch hunt movie like invasion of the of the body snatchers or the crucible or any of these where you don't know who's who you know um and it was just a a really interesting take on that and i and i really loved it yeah that scene with the blood right where they're testing the blood Mm -hmm. i mean and for 1982 i think that's that sends a pretty strong message you know so and there's some great quotes in that too gotta be fucking kidding me (laughs) yeah and like uh if you wouldn't mind I'd rather not spend all fucking winter time to this fucking chair. <laughs> oh, I do love this thing. Couple, yeah. But if that's your number two, I can only guess what your number one is. Well, of course, on. my number one has to be the Alien franchise, especially, of course, Alien with 98% and Aliens with 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. We just covered these movies. Obviously, this top 10 is influenced by what we deep dive. And, uh, you know, to me, you can't get any better in alien horror movies than alien or aliens period and i agree and i think that our our deep dives sort of speak for themselves of the sort of the longest episodes that we've ever had here on the film flamers and that just goes to show you like how much both of us appreciate these movies you know Mm -hmm. from an alien level and from a horror level from an action level like we just we i think we really enjoyed talking about them poltergeist is probably gonna be four hours long probably yeah (laughs) when we get to poltergeist guys just like sort of plan a road trip around our episode because you're (laughs) gonna need to do that (laughs) we'll see Hmm. but i do have some special mentions okay i have not seen forbidden planet i have not seen either version or any version of invasion of the body snatchers and i haven't even seen they live yet because we we are going to cover that this month for um for patreon but we haven't done it yet we've been so slammed trying to kind of like record and edit around vacations and things like that that yeah these like my watch list for this list is kind of limited you know and so that's why i say like i you know i may have to go back and watch some of those to see if they they land any higher than you know critters of the arrival which i'm sure they will you know so keep <laughs> in mind forbidden planet invasion of the body slashers especially the 78 version and they live um because they they will probably eventually you know make their way onto this list now 
so I have not seen Forbidden Planet either. I just watched it today before we started recording, and I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like it a lot. Although I'm not sure it's a horror movie, right? Is it straight sci-fi? Um, it, yeah, it's a science fiction movie with a lot of like horror elements, right? There's definitely a crazy like alien or something kind of monster, right? That they don't really know what it is. Um, but I mean, it's it's really tense and. Like, I mean, a lot of those movies from the 50s, like The Day the Earth Stood Still and Body Snatchers, you know, they, they were pretty straightforward in their approach to sci-fi, right? Despite the message that was sort of hidden underneath it. But this one, I think, is kind of like, you know, the thoughtful man's science fiction horror movie from the 50s, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's very educated feeling. And I could see how it influenced Alien a lot when I was watching it and Aliens too, you know? And I mean, I could, well, in a lot of other sci-fi horror movies really okay. i think this is just like like the granddaddy of all influential sci-fi horror movies i might um, have to go back and watch everything that alien uh was influenced by and uh including planet of the vampires and things like that <laughs> i saw planet of the vampires when i was very young very late night on like tbs or something one night it's silly but it's fun but i mean forbidden planet i think should be you know something that you should watch quickly i think you would like it and i kind of am interested to hear what you think so okay i'm sure i'll be especially if i watch it tonight or something i'm sure i'll be kicking myself that we just recorded the stop 10 (laughs) (laughs) that's okay this is why we have a podcast you know we do these top 10 episodes and oftentimes months or a year later at this point i've gone back to look at the list or listen to the episodes again and i'm like oh shit why didn't i think of this one or why didn't i put that on there or i'll watch something that's been on my watch list for a long time and so like there's going to be some times that we may have to go back and revisit some of these and or at least have like a special you know episode where we say here's five more that we want to add to it you know it's it's bound to happen eventually oh definitely i i can see us updating at least every few years our top tens you know I mean, because I've been updating my, you know, sort of running top 10, top 20 favorite horror movies. And um, I mean, even that changes a lot. So, sure. I mean, listeners, this could pop up again. Yeah. As so. we watch older movies and uh, as new ones come out. But for the time being, that is Chris's top 10 aliens and horror films. I like it. That was a really good list. Those were good yeah. choices. Well, thank you. So I'm super pleased. And I, I'm going to go watch. Attack the block for sure. Well, guys, I think that about wraps up this episode of Top 10 Alien Horror Movies. And wraps up this month of episodes. So we really hope that you've enjoyed all our content in July. um, We really had a good time deep diving into Alien and Aliens and making these lists and history lessons. And, you know, we still have something coming up for Patreon. We'll be talking about They Live, like Chris said. So head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers so you can catch that bonus episode of Flamers Flashbacks and all the other bonus content that we put out there for you. Also, like always, we would like to know what some of your favorite alien horror movies are. You can let us know on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or even Instagram. Or email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Leave your message and we'll play it on the air on the next Shooting the Flames episode and respond to it. We haven't gotten any voicemails in a while, so please take the time that's right we love them 
we also haven't gotten any reviews in a while either so if you're listening to this on apple podcast or itunes like head over there and give us a five-star rating or a little snippet of why you like us and we'll also read that on shooting the flames so uh please we really enjoy getting reviews it helps us as a podcast grow and really just warms our cold dead hearts it does <laughs> well i guess chris it's a uh, time to, to blast off right <laughs> that's so stupid i was gonna do something like uh, well robert if you wouldn't mind i'd like to stop recording so i don't have to spend the rest of this fucking summer in this fucking chair <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me <laughs> All right, untie yourself so you can go have some sweet dreams. She's been like, I want to get away from this microphone, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>